Hey, what's up, y'all? <laughs> Splash Brothers just had a party in Boston. I don't know. I don't know if y'all heard about it. It was at a what was the name? It was at a. Oh, that's right. It was at TD Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Tatum was there. He wasn't having that much fun. Uh, Jordan Poole pulled up. You know, he pulled up with some baddies from the front row from last night. And uh, Draymond couldn't make it. Uh, he had to record his podcast. But it was a bit of a pool party. I mean, y'all thought Aisha could cook. What about that boy, Chef Curry? Forty ball on their heads. Okay. Splash Brothers, as y'all know, close game four. Clay with eight big points in the fourth, including the three to go ahead, 95-94, a lead they'd hold for the rest of the game. But the best part of this game, the best part of this game, is that with Golden State tying up the series at two games apiece, it guarantees us game six, meaning game six Clay will be back in action in the NBA Finals mode. Okay. So get your buckets. Get your goggles. There's a splash advisory on the West Coast. The Bay. Game five is coming soon. What's up? Back again for another episode of the Hoop Plug. As you guys can tell, I am here doing this episode solo. For us, we'll be back next week. Running point for another episode of the Hoop Plug. Couldn't make it. Had some things come up, but I had to break it down. Had to get another episode out for y'all. I'm rocking my yellow, my gold, my Golden State Bay colors because we saw something special from Steph Curry last night. We saw something special from Jordan Poole, a return to playing actual meaningful basketball. And Clay Thompson, who, as I mentioned in the intro, had an impact even though he struggled for the first half of that game. Man, what a game. That was a hell of a game for Golden State in a position where if they lose that, they're down 3-1, and we know the odds, we know the history, how hard it is to come back. They had to win that game in Boston, a hostile environment, F. Draymond Chance reigning in, and they picked it out. That is a game only a veteran-led squad could win. All right, but let, let's talk a little bit about Boston. Steph was great. We all know that, right? 40 big ones, broke some records in the process. But still, it's been the story of the playoffs. When Boston lose, it's usually because they beat themselves, right? They led Boston, that is, 54-49 at halftime. And it would have been more if not for six second-quarter turnovers. Like, Steph was great again. Jordan Poole had that big flurry in the first quarter. Draymond was still cheeks. They should have been up a lot more. Right. And another thing that's been a trend we've seen throughout this playoffs is the defense of Boston. Right. We got some people going, in my opinion, a little overboard and saying this is possibly the best defense ever. Let me say that again because of the truck. We got some people going overboard and saying this is possibly the best defense ever. And I'm not going to argue that today, but in my opinion, that's the Detroit Pistons of 04. Right. Like, Giannis gave this defense three 40-point games. Jimmy gave them two 40-point games. Steph gave them a 40-ball last night. Every series Boston has played this postseason, the opposing star has gave them that work. All except for one. <laughs> I hate on Brooklyn enough, so we ain't going to go there. But um, there's also a couple Dr- Draymond storylines we need to discuss, right? So we know first half, again, horrendous for Draymond. So bad his mom was calling him out on Twitter, right? And 
Steve Kerr did, let's give props to Steve Kerr. He did what a lot of people said he needed to do. Maybe he didn't go and push the Kuminga Moody buttons that a lot of y'all said y'all wanted. I personally don't have a problem with that. A lot of people calling for Kuminga and Moses Moody to get more playing time. They're like 20, 21 years old. There's an argument you think the lights are going to be bright, too bright for some young players like that, especially if they haven't been heavy rotation pieces all playoffs long. You don't want to just try that out in the finals. And Iggy is a different situation. You can push that button. A Belizia uh, is a different situation. He's a veteran. You can push that button like you saw him do because Draymond wasn't giving you anything, right? The defense was better, but the offense was non-existent again. So what did Steve Kerr do? He pulls him out with under eight minutes remaining in the fourth quarter, doesn't play him until there's under three minutes remaining, right? That's a five-minute stretch of very important basketball where it's nip and tuck back and forth where you don't have Draymond Green on the court. And it worked, right? It, it, it worked. Draymond, after the game, said he wasn't thrilled that this happened. He went on the podcast, walked it back a little bit, but then doubled down saying, no, I'm not happy about it. None of us should be happy about it. We're competitive. Um, but as long as we win, that's the final thing. But still, yeah, it's okay to not be happy about it, but you don't have any reason to be mad, man. You, you're out there not doing anything, right? Why, why should you be playing? And um, Draymond's going to have to be better. Steve Kerr went out and said it. You don't usually hear coaches this honest about one of their key players, but he said this is a series going to be tough for him to score in. Boston's length, athleticism is, is something that this version of Draymond Green can't really do much with. Um, yeah. So to his credit, though, Draymond did come up with some big plays at the end of the fourth quarter, right? Uh, he had a, a big stop, an offensive rebound, and an assist that all helped extend the Golden State lead after Clay's big tree ball and Steph's flurry. I got to own up to something, though, right? Um, going back to game three, we recorded the last episode before game three. I said I thought Boston's inexperience would show in game three in front of the home crowd, right? You haven't played a finals game in front of this city. Boston fans going to act totally different. No, they've been acting totally different the whole playoffs, right? I guess it ain't nothing new. So I thought that Boston would come out a little shy, a little tentative, and it would lead to an early lead for Golden State. Well, that was wrong. Boston came out hot, led 30 to 15, 10 minutes in, and pretty much handled the rest of the way. <laughs> so, um, yeah, owning up that mistake. But the interesting from Boston, right? Like, I, I came on the podcast and said after two games of this series, I'm clear. It's clear cut to me. I've seen enough. Boston is the better team. If they lose this series, it's because of the experience of Golden State and because Boston made turnovers and, and, and just kind of fumbled the bag. But the other observation that is quite clear to me is that Jalen Brown has been the finals MVP this far. No question. I think if the series ended today and Boston won, Jalen Brown is taking that hardware home. The numbers are very close, right? They're both averaging Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown about 23 points. Jalen has a slight edge in rebounding. Jason Tatum has a slight edge in assist. But the efficiency 
is night and day difference. Stark contrast. Jalen has been so much more efficient. And yes, it's for a reason, right? Like the looks Jalen gets are a lot easier than the looks Tatum gets. And it's by design because Golden State knows what Tatum is capable of. But um, it's time that <laughs> we we all give Jalen Brown some credit. This is a guy I was real high on coming out of Cal, man. He had the body he has right now <laughs> in Cal. He was running through people, freight train activity, um, could shoot a little bit. And it was just the mix of handle size and skill that were very impressive, right? It was it always looked a little different than Tatum. Tatum was at Duke as a 19-year-old doing sidesteps and, and, and jab pulls from mid-range. Like, he always had a even more advanced skill than Brown. Like, it was always Kobe-esque. It was always Carmelo with the footwork. It was always very pretty to watch. Um, Paul George, I think that's a really good comparison because – the highs of Paul George, I saw this tweet, the, the the peaks of Paul George and Jason Tatum are MVP level, right? We saw Paul George go crazy that year in OKC, finish top three in MVP voting. But then you'll also see him, while he's still going to be good, he's still going to get numbers, still going to get buggies. The lows just like, you're better than this. And we see that from Tatum because once every five games, he, he's kind of non-existence on the court like he was in game one, even though it led to a win and he still played well. In the eyes of most. Um, so back to Jalen Brown, though. He has a game better built for the postseason, right? He has a, a I'm going to get to the basket, my will is greater than yours type of type of aspect to his game. And, and it lends well to these physical contests. It lends well when, you, when you're built like he is. So I think, man... While there is still time, Jason Tatum can go crazy, 40-point ball, 30-point, and and lead to two wins and take home that finals MVP. I think the way we're headed, the way it's trending, and the way that they've won, because the games that Boston has won, Jalen Brown has been the that lead dog. The games Jason Tatum has had the scoring explosions, well, it was only but one. Um, Golden State has won those games. So so that might be the recipe, the Al Horford, Jalen Brown led, everyone else chip in, right? Jason Tatum's still going to be a focus point. Jason Tatum's still going to draw the double teams, but him moving that ball willingly and letting everyone else eat has seemed to be the, the key factor in a lot of these wins. All right, that's it. Another good one, a short one, but as I said, just wanted to get something for y'all. Feed the fans, put some flavor in the air. Until next time, 